Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered investment advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. I want to thank you so much for joining us and welcome you into America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Chaz Price. Scott Kirshner is not with us today. Uh, here's the phone number, 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030, online, ARHQ.com. My name is Chris Vaughn. Really do appreciate you being with us here on the show today. We're going to talk about what you should own before a market crashes if you're planning on taking Social Security at age 65, we're going to talk about how to fill that income gap and find out how you can get more reliable income in retirement, all this and more. But before we dive into any of it, let me check in with the guys. Nolan, Chaz, glad to be with you. How are you today? Yeah, doing great. Uh, happy Mother's Day weekend to all the moms mm-hmm. that are out there. Hopefully you have a great uh, weekend. I know that uh, we've got some fun stuff planned around our house. And uh, last weekend, speaking of mom, mom and dad took the kids out for some bowling over at Southwick Lanes and still showed the kids that uh, mom and dad are a little better at bowling than they are. <laughs> so we were able, able to beat them so far. And I don't know, with golf season coming up, I think Carter might have me this year. <laughs> Let's see what happens there. Yeah, hopefully the weather holds up and get some good golf rounds in here here coming up uh, maybe even take mom out for mother's day round absolutely my mom's the one got me involved in golfing so it's fitting Definitely make sure you uh, you give your mother a call if you've got the chance to do so this weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe not if you have retirement questions. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. The first tip my mom really gave me when I got my first job, if there's money uh, on the table as far as a 401k employer match goes, always make sure you get it because it's free money. That stuck with me my entire life. Great advice. Thanks, mom. Beyond that, I think I would turn to someone else. Um, no offense to her, but, you know, actually retirement professionals like the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. So after you call your mom, don't forget this number again, 419 794 3030. Let's go ahead and jump into the show here. The Federal Reserve may, heavy lifting there on the word may, pause interest rate hikes to give them a chance to work against inflation. If that doesn't work, there are concerns that we might be in store for something that's called stagflation, something that we saw in the 70s, a combination of stagnant economic growth, high inflation, and high unemployment. Not a great combination there. So how do we protect our retirement savings if that does happen? That's a great question, you know, looking at uh, how to protect your retirement savings if we end up with stagflation. And, you know, we haven't seen that since the 1970s. And uh, I was born in 76. So I was just a young tyke at that time. And uh, don't quite remember those economic conditions that are out there. But, you know, have had uh, 29 years of experience in this field. We've seen kind of the, the market crash of 2008. Of course, I was in the business when the market went down for three years in a row in 2000, 2001, and 2000. 2002. And of course, we had the, the flash crash when COVID happened. So, you know, we've seen some of these difficult times that happen overall uh, in the portfolio. And, you know, they keep talking about this upcoming recession. So, you know, if you haven't watched any of the news, they're they're fearful that these major increases uh, could put us into a recession in the, in the near term. And so it's very, very important right now to make sure you know what you own. 
And then we talk about diversification as one of the strategies to help reduce risk. But I also say uh, you can sometimes be over-diversified, meaning that if more go down than up, it still can be painful. So diversification is important, but knowing what you own is extremely important. Uh, things like defensive stocks, like consumer staples and utilities, you know, those can be companies that can, you know, continue to perform during those stagflation types of environments. You know, it, it can be kind of a, a different asset class, but when you own the companies that people need every single day, I'm going to still go to the grocery store regardless of having a recession. I'm still going to, you know, have my kids eat cereal in the morning, you know, clean, uh, use those cleaning products. Those are, you know, good things to consider having if we are in that type of environment. Um, also, those utilities, I'm going to continue to have my, you know, water and gas bill. Those utility bills are going to continue to come in. Um, what about you? You know, when you're looking at things, Chaz, and we're thinking about, you know, what if it was like the 1970s all over again? We had this, you know, stagnant economy, high inflation. You know, we got back to maybe high unemployment. You know, what are you telling people when you're talking about how to protect my retirement savings? It's a good question, Nolan. And I think what's challenging about stagflation is that it's a difficult process to get your arms around because there's so much going on. There's the high inflation. There's typically uh, high in un unemployment. It's kind of like when you're in the doctor's office and you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on. You're sick and they're throwing everything at it, but it's not working. And I kind of feel like that's the way that the Fed is now. We're continuing to see rising inflation. We've dumped a ton of money into um, you know the economy and uh, it, it's just it's kind of like that uh, it's, it's just not working and so what we really need to do as investors is kind of take that responsibility on our shoulders as you're saying and really work on diversification also uh, if we look back at the 1970s I think there are some correlations um, you know during the 1970s there was a lot of factors that led to the stagflation. There was an oil crisis, rising commodity prices, uh, big changes in in monetary policy. I think that's when we went off the gold standard and just kind of threw everything awry. And so we kind of have a lot of correlation. In fact, there was a war, the Vietnam War back then. So there are a lot of factors that are putting pressure on the economy and inflation. We had COVID. Uh, we've got a war now going on. And so if we look back at the 1970s, some of the the assets that worked well, some of the asset classes were, again, inflation-protected securities. I know you've been shouting from the, the, the rooftops about um, taking a look at the I-bonds, and, and they're still paying a really great interest rate. So those were some investments that helped to keep up with inflation. Um, also, I'm going to say alternative investments like commodities. Uh, during the 1970s, commodity prices rose sharply because of, again, of that combination of factors, including the oil crisis and then just demand, the demand for raw materials, which we've seen that uh, during this recessionary period as well. And so commodity prices, alternative investments, value stocks. And value stocks are the stocks that are to be considered undervalued relative to you know their intrinsic value or what the what their books uh, what's on the books basically for their assets, and so that just means that you're looking for companies that traditionally are are really good at generating consistent returns, are pretty stable, have good balance sheets. They just might be out of favor right now for whatever reason. So that's your consumer staple uh, category of stocks, you know the the household everyday items, and then. And don't forget about international investments. So 
I think um, right now, uh, China and some of the international uh, sectors the, of the global economy are doing really pretty well, particularly China coming off of their, their, their COVID restrictions are, you know, it's really starting to become a situation where we have that dichotomy of, of uh, performance again. It's for the last 10 years, I think the United States has just outperformed and, and overshadowed international investments, and we've kind of shied away from them as a, as a whole. Um, it may be a good time to take a look internationally as well. Similar, just going back to the 1970s, Japan, Germany, they were experiencing strong economic growth while the United States was kind of languishing. The number one takeaway is know what you own right now. There can be, again, different areas that you want to have and have your portfolio positioned correctly. Uh, defensive stocks like those consumer staples, utilities, as Chaz pointed out, the inflation-protected securities. Uh, looking at some of those rates that are out there, they're still uh, significantly higher uh, than a lot of the other alternatives that are out there. Maintain a good cash reserve. Make sure you have a bucket of money, especially if you're close to or in retirement time to you know help fight off the next two to five years with uh, having a plan B in place. The fixed rate products that are out there because of the massive increase that we've seen here recently uh, in interest rates, uh, whether it's a money market account, a, a fixed CD, or a fixed annuity, a lot of those rates are uh, very, very attractive today. And last chance, as you point out, you know, through diversification, looking at some foreign investing. So if you want to know more on like this topic or any other topic that we have, uh, I encourage you, if you haven't come out to one of our workshops, we do have one that's coming up next week. Uh, that event's going to be over at Bowling Green State University. It's at the Levis Commons campus, uh, so right here in Perrysburg, Ohio. We're going to be talking about the retirement playbook. Uh, so Chaz and I will be out there if you'd like to come and uh, have an opportunity to ask us questions about your portfolio, other ideas about how to protect protect your savings. Uh, we are still taking some reservations. So if you'd like to come out, uh, just sign up this week and we'd love to have you out. It's real easy. You can go to the website, arhq.com. Click on the events tab there to find uh, the, the retirement playbook and all kinds of events that the, the team has uh, put together so far going through the rest of the year. Whether you have vivid memories of stagflation from the 70s or perhaps you were more concerned with other things back then, high school, college, whatever, that is completely fine. The reality is we are all older and closer to retirement and should be better prepared for it. And you may seem out of your depth when it comes to doing that, but that is okay. That is what the team at America's Retirement Headquarters can help you with, get you to, through, and beyond retirement, regardless of what may come down the line. It all starts with that phone call, 419-794-3030. Or go to the website, like I said, ARHQ.com. Have we seen the last of severe stock market slides? Analyst Eddie Gabor, well, he doesn't think so. He told Fox Business he is expecting the S&P 500 to drop another 25% in the near future. We don't think this market has properly priced in what's happening under the hood economically. Someone has to be right. Either the bond market and credit markets are right or the stock market is right. I'm betting on the credit and bond markets are being correct and predicting what's happening here in the future. But Gabor went on to say he's predicting a rebound in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, in the meantime, what are you guys telling clients that are you know afraid of that other shoe dropping? Well, I think people want to know what should I own before a market crash? And, you know, the challenging thing about that is, uh, you know, whether this gentleman, uh, Eddie, is correct or not. At the end of the day, the market's going to do what the market's going to do. Um, you know, looking at things from a fundamental or technical standpoint, there could be uh, some analysis that would suggest that near term, the risk is still elevated. Uh, in fact, if you follow like the Nobel Prize winning uh, philosophy of Dr. Robert Schiller, you know, he still indicates that uh, risk is elevated in the market based upon his uh, P.E. ratio. Uh, 
also, I, I would say, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, I have a, a younger child. My youngest is 16. He became a new driver in uh, the fall of last year. And, uh, you know, he's been out there driving around for, for a year now. And the challenge is, is even with a kid or even with yourself or when you're driving around, you know, at no point are you going to know when a crash is going to occur. But the thing is, is you can take steps ahead of the time to be more adaptive. Um, if you think about, you know, what type of safety features vehicles have today, uh, whether it's airbags or seat belts, mandatory, you know, not using your cell phone while you're driving around, uh, the way the vehicle is constructed is, is quite a bit different. It also is, I think, a way to be adaptive to market conditions because, you know, when my son, uh, who turned 16 last year, going into winter. Now, we didn't really have a terrible winter here in Northwest Ohio, but what I explained to him is I said, hey, you know, if you're going down to hockey at BG and the sign outside says that you can go 55 miles an hour and, you know, the, the philosophy is maybe somebody drives five or seven miles over that, you know, you don't have to go 60 or 62 miles an hour if the weather is bad outside. So if it's snowing, it's sleet coming down, it's dark, you know, it's okay to slow down uh, inside of the, the, the car that you have to adapt to what the conditions are that are outside. So if we have these poor economic conditions on Wall Street or in the economy, the question is, is, you know, what you should own before a market crash is, is your portfolio adaptive to what the market conditions are? Or is your portfolio just set on cruise control, uh, doing 70 miles an hour, regardless of what the market conditions are? Uh, Chaz, I think you point this out really well when we develop a portfolio uh, and we're developing this investment policy statement, one of the things that we do is we oftentimes will put what I call a circuit breaker or a gas pedal in a portfolio. Mm -hmm. You know, so when economic conditions look really good, we might be punching it and going 70 miles an hour if it's sunny and we're, you know, traveling outside and the weather's good. But when economic conditions deteriorate, we might go more defensive, increase some of our gas positions uh, to be somewhat more defensive. So I think you do a great job explaining, you know, how to develop a process to be adaptive and what people should do before a market crash because we know since October uh, the market's been pretty good and I've, I've seen a couple of people recently that have come in that have you know gone to cash and what's the you know the the problem with just taking your money and going to cash it's it's the one thing that sets the average investor apart from the market and so we always we look at these um, trends in the market and the average the average growth and percentage gain and we say okay the market on average does nine or ten percent over a long period of time but uh, the average investor gets about two and it's for the exact reason that you just described is that we're uh, emotional beings for the most part and I think people make financial decisions based on their gut instead of on their head sometimes and so the emotional component of in investing in money tells us to do something when we don't feel good about it um, and conversely to do something when we feel good because that's the emotional aspect and so generally that in it's counterintuitive because when people feel bad they sell mm -hmm. the market's down and then when they feel good they buy more generally because they're optimistic and so that's that's exactly what i think the issue is is jumping in and out of the market based on emotion and based on how we feel if we take a page out of one of the best investors of all time warren buffett i'm paraphrasing but he would say buy companies that go up if they don't go up, don't buy them. 
<laughs> and obviously that that's kind of a I, I don't know what you'd call that, but um, he's right though. And what he's what he's speaking about is buying companies that have strong financial prospects that have good uh, cash reserves and are making money and have earnings. And my interpretation of that is that if you buy good companies that are making money that have strong earnings, you really don't have to worry about the ups and downs of the market for the most part um, because these companies that have the strong earnings um, give investors confidence in the marketplace. They generally help drive up the stock prices even when things around them are going going awry, when the market's uh, in, in general not doing well. And so, for instance, I, uh, I looked at a statistic today and it said the average stock, the average stock in the S&P 500 right now is down. Um, like maybe 1.75 to 2%. But when you look at the top, you know, five companies, the FANG stocks, as we refer to them, you know, the Facebooks and Amazons, they're up, you know, wildly, up 10, 15, maybe even 20%. So, you know, during these these times when the the stock market is volatile, um, you know, trying to figure out what to own before a downturn, you want to really look for companies that have strong financial prospects, financial situations, they have earnings because earnings are the life's blood of the stock market and of a company. And if we can get companies also that pay dividends, you know, part of that growth and the earnings uh, that these companies generate can be returned to you in the form of a dividend or can be reinvested into the company. But generally retirees that are in income mode that are looking for reliable sources of income to supplement their social security and pensions and other you know retirement sources dividends can be an area where it can help you know do that help you stay in the market be a little bit more confident there's another article that warren buffett uh put together so if you get a chance take a look on google and type in buy american I am. And that was an article that Warren Buffett wrote in October of 2008. So if we go back in time, you know, what we know is in October of 2008, the stock market was in a brutal, bad situation. Uh, you know, the market was down, I think, at 25 or 30 percent at about that time frame in October. And so if you listen to his advice, what he talked about is he talked about these companies that are the cash rich, low debt, that have a competitive advantage. You know, these are the companies that he talked about buying. And if you followed his advice on October of 2008 and you invested, what happened is the market continued to fall over the next several months. In fact, the market bottomed out in March of 2009. So, you know, had you followed that advice and just in the broad market, you would have been down about 25%. So you'd have been like, wow, that's probably the worst advice I ever got. I can't believe I read that article and took action on it. But had you not allowed your emotions to get involved in the investment process and you looked at it one year later so october of 2009 your portfolio would be up about 19 percent in fact if you then extend that time frame even going through covid and everything else that we've been through here uh recently uh up until like october of last year i think the s p was up roughly 260 percent over that time frame you know so some of those things really kind of catch you off guard and it's so important you know to know what you own before a market crash happens you know we do like those cash rich low debt high return on equity companies 
companies that are daily essential that have a competitive advantage. I met with two individuals recently, and what happened is they had all their money in the stock and bond market. So the, the challenge about that is they can experience years like last year when you had both stock and bonds go down in price. So it's kind of like a one-two punch in the gut when you have everything going uh, down. And so in their situation, what they wanted to do is consider having a plan B in place, not having all of your money in investments that are subject to risk. Things like you talked about, having things that you know are, are non-correlated assets, things that maybe aren't necessarily in the, in the market. You could use uh, the fixed accounts with how high rates are. Uh, there's things like fixed index annuities, but make sure you have a plan B in place. And if you don't have a plan B in place, uh, I think that I would encourage you to find out about our philosophy and methodology when it comes to investing. It's called the independent income system. So while you're on Google, you could just type in the independent income system because we give a lot more information talking about where the threats and opportunities are in the marketplace right now. And uh, it's some more great ways to get you prepared if you're worried about an upcoming market crash. Guys, I didn't realize we were all going to be bringing Warren Buffett anecdotes to the table today. I actually just read a, a biopic on him recently where uh, he was talking about the the credit of Berkshire Hathaway in, in the 58 years he's been doing it. He said it's about 12 great decisions over the course of that time. So one wise decision every five years or so. In layman's terms, you don't have to get everything right all the time, but you want to make sure those very important decisions uh, you do get right. And that can seem easier said than done, especially when emotion comes into play. But that is what the team at America's Retirement Headquarters can help you with, help develop that plan, take the emotion out of it. Again, the independent income system, uh, and just make sure that you've got something to withstand whatever may come down the line. It all starts with that phone call, 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030 or the website, arhq.com. Now, there are certain habits that a lot of us are guilty of that can ruin the battery of our smartphones. Among them are letting the mobile battery run out completely keeping it uh, plugged in at 100%, using a more powerful charger than you need. I'm guilty of a little bit of that. But uh, it's off honest. Nobody likes a dead phone battery, nor do they like a dead retirement plan. So let's talk about retirement here. That's what the show's for. What are some bad retirement habits you've seen people do to cause them to go through maybe their, their savings a little faster than they expected? Yeah, we talked about one last segment. Definitely one of the bigger ones that I see people doing is making some knee-jerk decisions, as we say, based on emotion or based on the short-term um, movements of the stock market. And so I think the, the biggest concern there is that if we don't have, a, I guess, not having a plan in place and not having um, each one of your dollars, you know, knowing exactly where they're going, what uh, strategy and what part of your retirement that they're dedicated to and not going through the exercise of planning for retirement. Uh, I think that's definitely a bad habit. Another bad habit, Nolan, um, I would say not saving enough and maybe just kind of taking more of a passive role in the saving aspect of retirement and just thinking that you know I'm putting something away. So Hopefully that should be enough, and then you know we'll we'll worry about that later on as as we get closer to retirement. And then obviously a big one here is spending too much. And I've seen this happen a lot in retirement in the go-go phases of retirement. We call it front-end loading retirement, where they buy they do a lot of spending up front. Um, don't really take a look at the the market is doing. Um, and just kind of overspend early in retirement. And if that happens when the market's going down, then you're in for a little bit more of a challenge long-term of having those dollars last because you're having to sell more of your shares and it's kind of this uh, snowball effect that you will. And, and a lot of these 
uh, habits, I think, aren't big issues, but they're little issues that compound into a bigger sort of scenario down the line where, you, you know, you just don't notice it, but I'm, I'm going out more often. We're, you know, buying the $6 coffees more often and things like that. And uh, you really do need to have an idea of what you're spending, what's coming in. And, you know, I think those are some of the biggest habits in retirement that I've seen. Yeah. When I think about bad retirement habits, the things that I've seen over the years is, you know, not really taking into consideration health care and long-term care protection. So I, I think about people who retire before the age 65 and say, you know, oh, we're healthy. Uh, we're just going to, you know, hold off on getting health insurance until we get to 65 because they look at what some of the costs are. They don't know what solutions are available. You know, I, I know an individual who fell and she broke her leg and then ultimately uh, ended up having to have some surgeries and it was a couple hundred thousand dollars is what the bill is mm -hmm. and you know now the hospital wants them to pay that bill because they didn't have uh, health insurance they were just going to risk it until getting to age 65 um, you think about people who say, well, I'm not going to go into a nursing home. And, you know, I appreciate everybody who came out last week. We had our uh, Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom event over at Urban Pine, and we were talking about long-term care solutions, and we were talking about, you know, how to protect your assets without buying traditional long-term care. You know, there's ways to leverage your assets to protect them. So healthcare, long-term care are really big. Uh, number two is life expectancy and not knowing how life will play out. Uh, I recently got together with a couple, and we were taking a look at uh, their situation and you know when we ran the numbers if they lived a long time everything works out great if they simply just sail off into the sunset together at the end of their retirement years but we know that that's not always how things play out you know heaven forbid if there's a premature death uh, the spouse would have had a loss of the income half of the social security essentially would be gone and that would be in this case a devastating loss and so we were able to show them you know you could shore that up with some insurance insurance, um, you know, and for a, a, a plan, you could put 10 years worth of replacement income in place uh, to be able to help that. We've been talking about, you know, how not running the stress test of inflation and how that impacts your portfolio can be a big one. So, you know, the cost that you have today, inflation's become a bigger deal, but inflation needs to be part of your long-term plans as well. So if you want to break those habits, you know, take that smartphone, which may or may not be overcharge and go to arhq.com schedule a time to speak with the team at america's retirement headquarters uh, find out more about them on the uh, about us tab or give a call and set up a time as well 419-794-3030 once again 419-794-3030 last week we actually talked briefly about i bonds because that was uh, you know got a lot of attention last year around this time last year u.s savings bonds that are tied to inflation they paid a 9.6 percent interest rate last may six months later the rate went down to 6.89 percent and as we mentioned last week i bonds uh for the next half year are going to be paying an even lower rate of 4.3 percent so not nearly as lucrative as it was last year for people who previously you know put money away into i bonds are they now better off putting their cash somewhere else well, uh, this is Nolan, and I would say that uh, my family and I, we do own I-bonds. So, you know, even from last year when we were talking about them in that 9.6% rate, I know my family took advantage of where those rates are. Um, and, and put that in place, you, you kind of got to know the ins and outs of, you know, what is the goal and intent of the money? What do you plan on using it for? And, you know, the one thing that I like about the government I-bonds is it doesn't have uh, that type of market risk associated with it. Um, there's a, a maximum contribution, I think, of $10,000, uh, maybe a little bit more if you use some tax refund money. 
minimum hold period is one year. Uh, if you cash them in within the first five years, you could pay three months worth of interest back, and then you can hold them for up to 30 years. So they could be something that's attractive. But when we look at how quick interest rates have gone up, in fact, the Federal Reserve just recently uh, raised rates yet again another quarter percentage points, there's are other investments that I think are more attractive or could be attractive uh, when putting in a portfolio. For example, uh, if you look out there, there's a lot of money market rates from uh, some of the leading financial institutions. Uh, so 100% liquid type of a strategy where you don't have, you know, those early withdrawal penalties that are out there. Um, even the fixed rate annuities uh, recently got together with somebody and uh, the lady had an old annuity and she was really happy with it because it was paying 3%. And a year ago, a 3% rate was great. But today, uh, he was able to show her how to upgrade her account and be able to put it into uh, either a three or five year rate lock uh, at 5.4%. Uh, so able to get a nice pay raise with uh, an interest rate that's locked in. And, and that three to five year rate was more attractive because with a money market rate, uh, most of those money market rates can change on a daily or weekly basis. So, you know, if interest rates come back down as some people predict maybe next year, you know, those rates on the money market accounts may not be as high where the person who took out the three or five year fixed rate uh, can be a great strategy. And then third, as we talked about uh, on an earlier show, we were talking about the topic of stagflation and what investments you know, could do well in that type of environment. And Chaz, one of the things that you brought up is what is called a treasury inflation protected security, uh, also known as uh, TIP. And with tips, you know, those type of rates that are out there, uh, if you look at, again, you know, here it is May of 2023, a lot of the rates that are out there for the Treasury Inflation Protective Securities are, are averaging uh, the current yield is in the, about the 8% range. And then in addition to that, uh, we haven't seen the full recovery in the bond market from the sell-off that we had last year. Uh, so over the last year, there's a potential discount as well as something within a pretty attractive active yield uh, within the Treasury Inflation Protective Securities investments that are out there. So lots of different choices, I think, you know, when you're looking at what do I do with my uh, money that I don't want to have exposed to market risk, but I still want to make sure that my money works as hard as it possibly can. Uh, when you're looking at I-bonds or you're getting that question from client Chaz, what are better investments than I-bonds? You know, are there anything else in addition that you wanted to add to that as uh, maybe uh, alternatives to look elsewhere? You know, th that's a tough question is because a lot of the decisions about what investments to pick depend on the individual circumstances, like you pointed out. You know, if you're m mostly interested in preserving principle and don't really mind not having a ton of liquidity or even marketability, meaning that there is really no secondary market for the I-bonds, so you have to deal almost exclusively with the Treasury Department, and that can be a little bit cumbersome at times. And then you're limited with, you know, how much you can put into those investments. So um, it doesn't really give you the, a, a big area to concentrate a large amount of money to, to preserve, at least initially. I mean, over time, I think you can get a lot of money in there, but you're limited to about $10,000 per year. So really, um, the I-bonds are an interesting case because it, it in some respects, it's almost like you're working against the government in a way and because their job and the Fed's job is to reduce inflation and your your return is based on inflation. And so that I think that's why 
they've become a little bit more attractive in recent years because there's been some measurable inflation, but no one was really talking about I-bond. So it's, it's definitely not something where you can even put a ton of money into. It's definitely something you want to take a look at more of on, on the fringe, you know, and just kind of add some positions here. It's not going to hurt you by any stretch of the imagination. But again, yeah, just now, um, you know, you, you want to re start reconsidering some of the more traditional investment uh, options that we talked about or we've talked about. The stock market has potential for higher returns. I know it doesn't necessarily give you that stability that you're looking for, but it is absolutely an alternative to I-bonds when you're looking at you know, trying to generate some decent dividend and some income to supplement retirement. Um, also bonds, bonds are back in favor, corporate bonds, municipal bonds. Uh, they offer higher yields than, than I-bonds in many cases, but they do have risk. So the don't forget about the traditional asset classes. Don't you know, concentrate or, or think about putting too much money into really anything right now. And I think one of the keys we talked about stagflation earlier is you want to stay liquid and i think that's one major alternative uh, that you want to consider the money markets and cash like investments right now i think liquidity is is key cash is king don't get tied up too much with with anything bonds fixed income but keep your flexibility right now because we're probably going to need it coming into the the second half of the year i think i even remember this time last year as well people were saying you know the 60 40 portfolio is dead and that now that's been a, a drastic change it shows the importance of having an open mind when it comes to your investment strategy or not even open mind but just being able to be flexible with it not necessarily being fully committed to uh, ideas that have always worked for you because as we've seen very drastically things things can change and you want to make sure that they work in your favor if you need a little bit of help with that again that emotional detachment is always the question you know it seems like it's a full-time job guys to keep up with all the changes our politicians are making to retirement planning the biden administration now has a proposal to change the tax status of the 401k he wants to do a flat 26 percent tax across the board no matter what bracket you're in which would help those in lower brackets but hurt those in higher brackets guys can you tell us what this means and, and do you think this is going to discourage people from taking advantage of their 401k yeah i mean if you look at it will biden's proposed 401k rule change uh be a good or bad thing i guess it depends on you know where you're at in the income bracket standpoint so if we look at this and we kind of look at you know what this means the biden administration's the proposal would change the current 401k tax deductions into a tax credit whereas a tax deduction is going to reduce your taxable income a tax credit directly reduces your tax liability via dollar for dollar reduction of the taxes that you own and here's why that matters so if you're in the 37 percent tax bracket and you contribute ten thousand dollars to your 401k plan you're entitled to a three thousand seven hundred dollar tax deduction currently but those in the lowest 10 percent bracket they only receive a tax deduction of $1,000 for the same $10,000 contribution. The Biden proposal will adjust that to $2,600 tax credit for any taxpayer making a $10,000 contribution regardless of the tax bracket. So again, those lower income earners are gonna get more tax money back uh, with the tax credit than the higher income earners. And you know the challenge is, is if you look at a 401k in general, well, we've been talking about this for years, a 401k is a flawed investment vehicle for many people who are financially successful. 
So after, you know, almost 30 years of doing this, I have yet to have somebody come into my office and say, hey, when we retire, we're just going to sit on the porch and watch the cars go by. You know, most of the retirees we work with are spending the same or even more income in retirement time. So the thought process of save money today because you'll pay less taxes in retirement oftentimes is not true. In fact, for those of you that are out there, you know, that have been working towards saving for your future, um, if you think that your family's individual tax rates could go up in the future because of the out of control spending that this and the previous administrations have been doing, then you want to look at trying to shift more money into the tax-free category. Uh, so on the 401k, a couple things. If there's a company match, to me, it's free money. You might as well take advantage of what free money is available. With the SECURE Act 2.0 that was passed in December of last year, there's also some more flexibility in contributions. There's also uh, higher catch-up provisions. There's also the ability uh, where you could potentially put money into the tax-free side. So if you haven't looked into a Roth 401k, uh, that could be another option as well. But, you know, here's just one more example of where they're going to penalize you uh, to save and invest for your future. So that high income earner, instead of getting, you know, that 37 uh, percent uh, reduction would be knocked down to 26 percent. You know, in turn, when that person takes money out under the current tax law, they're going to be taxed as an ordinary income tax bracket. So if their tax bracket's 37% or whatever that tax bracket goes to in the future, then they're going to uh, get a lower tax deduction in the beginning to potentially pay higher taxes later on in the future when they take withdrawals out. And then also could potentially even pay more taxes because uh, that money is grown hopefully over the years. And so now they're going to pay taxes on a bigger balance. And then in addition to that, uh, the government's going to come after any money that's left over for their kids and grandkids if they leave money uh, from their retirement account to their loved ones. So one of the keys to building wealth long term is to keep the government away from your money. Yeah. They've all been spending out of control money and attacking your retirement account could be the simple solution because it's the biggest or second biggest asset that they own. Uh, they're also looking at attacking home homeowners too, right? You know, so the new proposal is they're looking at uh, making those with good credit pay more for a mortgage and giving those with lower credit a benefit and a, an incentive to go out and uh, get a home. Or I'm glad you said not just this, this administration, but previous administrations, because um, when you look at the national debt, I think we're looking at over $31 trillion in national debt. And that just didn't happen all in the last four years or so. But what's interesting is that when you look at the chart of the national debt, it, it just skyrockets almost parabolic in the last 10 or 15. So I think there is this fundamental or philosophical shift from just where it was previously fiscal solvency um, in the you know 80s, 70s, when we had President Reagan, who was like very um, conscious of taxes. You know, in fact, that's one of the stories we tell at our events that during the 60s and 70s, uh, Ronald Reagan did two movies because after the third movie, he was taxed at almost 90%. And so, uh, again, just to echo your point, if you, if you think you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, you're really not in retirement. In fact, we would argue that next to health care, I think your taxes on your 401k, your investments, the, your tax deferred dollars, is probably going to be one of the biggest expenses that you have. 
We've all done it. We've all put money into a tax-deferred investment. We've put off paying taxes, kicked the can down the road. But at some point, there's a day of reckoning. And I think in the 401k, the IRAs, you say they are flawed investments. It's, it's um, you know something where you have to take a little bit of time and do some maintenance, pay some tax now, get it out of the way, almost like going to the dentist. Take care of some of that plaque and some of that decay now because you're going to have a lot of problems later on down in the future if you just put it off. And that's what I see in the government across all the sectors, whether it be Social Security, the national debt. Um, there's just a lot of putting it off. If you're paying attention there, Chaz gave you an answer to the upcoming event, the Retirement Playbook. Should you choose to attend uh, at, next week uh, at BGSU, Levis Commons, uh, and we say all the time here, or I say all the time, that you know, you've know you got a silent partner in Uncle Sam when it comes to your retirement portfolio. If you don't have it tax optimized right now, he is becoming less and less silent. And so what should you do? Should you go ahead and, and take care of that right now and make sure you get to keep more of your hard-earned money down, down the line? Making sure that the tax code works in your favor is what it's all about, and it's all part of that retirement planning process. So if you want to continue that discussion at the events, again, coming up uh, next week at BGSU Levis Commons, go to ARHQ.com, click on the events tab for more information, including how to register. Or if you just want to go ahead and, and jump in and, and speak with the team and start developing that plan, you can go to that website as well or give a call 419-794-3030. Now, guys, last month, American pro golfer Taylor Gooch scored big on the Live Tour, or did he? He won $6 million at a tournament in Australia, but... Guess what? The Australian government took almost half of his check in taxes. Not to mention on top of that, he's also got to pay U.S. taxes. Whether it is a, a significant windfall or not, let's talk more about this. How do you develop a tax-efficient retirement plan that maximizes income and minimizes someone's tax liability? It's what we call the retirement blow-up. In fact, uh, the retirement blow-up can really happen for you know folks when they're looking at leaving uh, money onto their loved ones, their children. So, and when we think about it, and we're we're looking at developing a plan. A lot of people want to have us help them create a tax-efficient plan to maximize income. You know, really, at the end of the day, all roads lead to income. And so when you're looking at developing this tax-efficient retirement plan that maximizes income and minimizes tax liability, uh, we talked briefly about it just in, in the previous segment. We talked about a 401k. You know, contributions into a 401k, uh, you can maximize some of your income because a lot of the plans will offer some type of company match. But also to make it tax-efficient, you might want to consider what is called the Roth 401k option. And that's where you pay the taxes now, but it may be better off to just address the tax issue today and pay the taxes today so you can build some tax-free wealth for you and your family in the future. Uh, for those of you that maybe don't have a company match or don't have a 401k, maybe you're self-employed, you can look at making contributions to a, a Roth IRA. Now, Scott, I know he's uh, not here today, but uh, speaking for him, one of the things that he talked about when looking at uh, you know tax efficiency and maximizing income is opening a health savings account. And he'd also talk about leveraging your assets to protect you uh, from getting wiped out from a long-term care standpoint. If you're self-employed like we are, I know a lot of times I get together with my accountant and we're always looking at what are the other things that I should be aware of as a self-employed individual and things that, that I can deduct. Looking at things like cash value life insurance. I know it's a boring topic, but uh, cash value life insurance can still be a vehicle that can build uh, retirement income. It can be, 
you know, income that could not be subject to market risk. It can be a way to protect your family in the event of a premature death or protect your spouse in retirement time if you uh, end up passing away early. So when you think about, you know, the government coming after your money, um, again, creating a tax-efficient plan to maximize income, one of the most important things I would say, Chaz, is to try to figure out how to keep the government away from your money and how to generate as much predictable, reliable income in retirement time as possible. Yeah, I agree. So that's the key. I mean, you just got the key right there is how do you keep more of what you make? I think that's basically what most everybody is wondering. And that's really where the skill lies. That's where the real talent is. Um, it's because when you look at taxes, Nolan, I think uh, one of the big issues is that we pay tax in big chunks, whereas in investment management, if we have a good year in the market where we beat the market by two or three percent, um, we can wipe all of that out in one, not us personally, but investors, the community in general, uh, can wipe out a, a good, you know, five or 10 years worth of growth just in one bad year of tax planning. Mm -hmm. Cause you're going to pay 20%. Well, I made 2%. It took me five years to get that 10 years. So that's one thing to keep in mind is you pay taxes in chunks. It's going to be for that reason, the biggest expense that you have. And so the real acumen and the talent and the skill lies in helping you keep more of what you make. Now, when we're looking at, okay, so how do we do that, Chaz? Well, Nolan brought up a, go, a, a great uh, option, the Roth IRA. Um, and if you have the ability to, to contribute at this point, that's awesome. But if you don't have earned income, you may not be able to contribute to your Roths other than doing what's called conversions or converting your traditional IRA to Roth. And we actually break that down into two strategies or, or two uh, concepts. We call it strategic, where the long-term goal is that you eventually be 100% tax-free by age 73, let's say, for instance. Now, how do we get there is more tactical, meaning on an annual basis, if we want to convert more or less in some years because, say, for instance, last year the market's down 20%, great time to do some conversions because you're going to pay tax um, on assets that have depreciated in value. They're down 20%, so you pay 20% less in taxes. Another big strategy for helping you keep more of what you earn is Social Security timing. And, you know, just looking at the strategy of when to take Social Security, I think that's probably one of the bigger aspects of, of good income planning. Also, uh, charitable contributions, uh, QCDs, what we call uh, qualified charitable uh, distributions, where when it's your time to start taking money out of your accounts instead of out of your IRA accounts or 401ks, instead of taking that money from your cash or checking account, maybe have us authorize those deductions or those contributions to your church or charity go directly from your IRA. And then that way you can avoid having to pay any income tax. So in addition to that tax loss harvesting, um, there, there's just so proper beneficiary management. There's just so many different aspects. It's almost become um, it's a renaissance of tax planning. I don't know if you've noticed this, Nolan, but almost in every single conversation we have with clients recently, it's there's some measure of tax that they're interested in. And I think it's just because so many people are starting to retire at the rate of about 10,000 per day that previously our clients were focused more on accumulating wealth and getting to this point. And having been in the business 20 years now, we're seeing the fruits of their labor where they can now retire 
and it's a different conversation. How do I get this stuff out of these accounts without getting crushed by Uncle Sam? And so that's really where we've been seeing, um, you know, these these strategies, a lot of these complex, um, you know, programs that you can take advantage of to to help you keep more of what you want. And that's really where I think our expertise lies because we have the the time, the tools, the talent, and the, the, the resources to do it for you efficiently. And So when you're looking at creating a tax-efficient plan, it is one of the topics that we're going to be talking about uh, at our retirement playbook. So Chaz and I will be uh, putting on a presentation, again, here in, in Perrysburg, Ohio. It's at the Bowling Green State University Levis Commons campus. Uh, next week, this is one of the topics. And, and taxes is such a crucial topic because, you know, as you point out, Chaz, um, you know, people have built – their retirement accounts to be their biggest or second biggest asset. You know, they spend all of this time saying, hey, when you retire, tax rates will be lower than they are today. But it's so important because now those tax rates are are coming due when they're taking that money out and they're trying to figure out how do you keep the money away from them. So it's a matter of like what we were talking about in the beginning part of the show of how to get prepared for uh, stagflation or get prepared for a market decline. But, you know, what a shame it would be to help somebody out making smart financial decisions with what they own, but then to turn around and only end up uh, paying more than what, quote, is their fair share uh, when it comes to tax. So creating that tax efficiency is important. And for those of you that are out there that are listening, you probably just finished up your taxes, right? So I I can almost guarantee a lion's share of you now put those taxes uh, in a box or put them in a file cabinet. You've closed that door and you've checked off the box. But while it's still fresh in your mind, now is the time to take a look at 2023 and say, what can we do to keep the government away from our money? And our office, we can run a 2023 tax roadmap for you. In fact, uh, for the first five callers that call in, we'll run that tax roadmap. Uh, just that one idea, Chaz, that you gave out, which is the strategic and tactical Roth conversions can be a great way for those of you who suffered declines in the market last year, but believe in your investments in the long term that they'll come back, can be a great opportunity to get those conversions done, uh, move that money from your tax deferred category over into the tax-free category, do it both within your strategic bracket as well as within the tactical standpoint, looking at you know what are the opportunities that you or I and we believe have the greatest potential for growth and putting that in the portfolio uh, can be an excellent strategy. So to learn more about that, you know, reach out to our office for that offer or come out to the event next week. We'd be happy uh, to share that information with you. And it's real easy to get in touch with. Give a call 419-794-3030 or Find out how to register for the event by going and clicking on the events tab at ARHQ.com. So many of us are focused, you know, year in, year out on how to save money on the taxes that we we have to pay for the previous year. Let's start focusing on the taxes that we will pay or can hopefully minimize what we have to pay for the 20, 30 years ahead of us in retirement. It all starts with the plan, setting up a time to speak with America's retirement headquarters. 419-794-3030 or ARHQ.com. Once again, want to thank you so much for joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Nolan and Chaz, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. And as we wrap up, want to leave you with the final word. Well, we talked about Warren Buffett a lot today, so we'll finish on another Warren Buffett quote. And it's only when the tide goes out, do you discover who's swimming naked. So 
Have a great week, folks. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back here, same time, same channel, on Toledo's largest talk station, 1370 WSPD. And just remember, when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.